but everyone was taking the news in their own way and processing the grief in their own way. Um, and that might have translated differently in how they um, communicated with me, if that makes sense. Hey, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Entering Motherhood, a podcast dedicated specifically to new moms going through this amazing journey in life. I'm your host, Sarah Bilger, a postpartum nutritional coach slash mechanical engineer. And as always, I'm so excited to be here with you and share all of the information I've been lucky enough to obtain since becoming a mom. In this episode, we talk with Justine and hear her story of how she lost her first son, Stephen, and how she has created a space to help other moms who have been through infancy and pregnancy loss. I do just want to take a quick moment before we really jump into this episode and mention that we talk about infant and pregnancy loss here today. We talk about the death of a child and what it was like for Justine during this time. If this topic may be something that is hard for you to listen to, I do understand if you wish to stop here. Although, I do think that these conversations are needed and important. It's so beneficial to hear from those who have dealt with loss and to hear their story and understand their perspective because I think with this, we can better understand what someone is going through in a situation that we have never personally experienced. We can try to understand what they have been through and we can also find comfort and relate to this if it's something that we have personally been through. So here we go. Okay. So hi, Justine, and welcome to Entering Motherhood. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, so glad to have you here. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so um, I'm Justine, and I live in eastern North Carolina. I've been all around, but we settled here while my husband worked on his master's, which he just finished, so that's pretty awesome. Um, I am mom of two and I have a non-living son and one living son. So my firstborn is Steven and he was born about two years ago early. Um, We found out his heart wasn't beating at a routine 22-week ultrasound and I was induced the same night and then he was born the next day. Um, and then my second son, Everett, he was born in January of this year and we didn't find out how or why Steven died. We had an autopsy done and they did some testing, but we didn't get any answers. So going through Everett's pregnancy was pretty hard. It was, I was pretty anxious through the whole thing. And so after he was born, I decided to start um, a podcast called Expecting Rainbow, and that talks about experiencing life after pregnancy and infant loss. Yeah, great. So, you know, I mean, I can't even imagine what that would have been like. And at 22 weeks, were you showing? Had had family and friends known? Where were you at on your journey? So I was kind of showing a little bit. I 
it, I pretty much looked bloated. So it wasn't really, um, I don't think many people could tell. I was in that stage where, I mean, I guess they say even if you can tell someone's pregnant, you don't ask if they're pregnant. But I was definitely in that stage where it might feel rude to ask if you're pregnant or not. Um, But we were just, we were still telling people. So we had told all our family and I had actually just was just told people like two days before we found out his heart wasn't beating. So we were still, yeah, we were still telling friends. We didn't do a public announcement or anything. Okay. And then I guess just what was that? What was going on in your head? So you had gone to the doctors for your 22 week checkup. So we had gone to an ultrasound at 16 weeks, and at that ultrasound, they said they saw a little shadow, and it's called an echogenic bowel. And so they said it could mean something or it could mean nothing, so that was not super helpful. And when we went home to Google it, they, which, you know, that's always a trip to do, but we Googled it and they said, you know, a very small percentage of people, um, like a very small percentage, like that could mean something bad. And so I was like, oh, it's going to be fine. But um, they had scheduled us to see an MFM on the, uh, at 20 weeks. And when we went in, he was like, well, why are you guys here? And like, are you guys getting these testing things that we're recommending? And I was like, well, um, we do plan on getting testing done, um, but we just couldn't get it done in time before this um, appointment. And um, the only reason they had wanted us to get it earlier was in case we wanted to terminate the pregnancy, which I it w- that was not really an option for me. So, um, so I figured, you know, it's fine for us to get the testing done in after the time frame they wanted us to do it. But, um, but that testing ended up coming inconclusive, anyways. But we got the results after um, the twenty-two week ultrasound. So, at so basically, he said at twenty weeks we are not going to do an ultrasound because we can't tell anything um in just two weeks so to come back two weeks later for an ultrasound um so that's that's what we did um and i kind of wish i didn't know that i was i could have advocated for an ultrasound um i think it was an insurance thing but he, he the doctor had told me we are unable to do an ultrasound or there's no point in doing one. And I think if I had to do it over again, I would have just pushed for it, even if I had to pay out of pocket. And I didn't know that wasn't an option. But um, because later they were saying, well, we don't know exactly when Stephen died or when his heart stopped beating. We didn't really get any answers. Um you know, all the tests and the autopsy showed that everything was fine and that there was nothing wrong. Um, so I I often wonder if we had gotten that 20-week ultrasound, if we would have found out that 
he, you know, had already died or if, or if there was something going on that usually that's pretty early, I think, to, to prevent something from happening, but even just to see, or maybe we would have gotten more answers, you know, if we had found out earlier. And for Stephen, did you have the name already picked out or you had decided on that name after the 22 weeks? No, we named him at the hospital in the waiting room before they brought us in. So we named him pretty last minute. We had a list of names for him um, and Everett was actually one of them, but the reason why we chose Everett was because Stephen was supposed to be born on Chinese New Year. And, you know, every Chinese New Year, you know how there's like the year of the the horse or um, so that's when the cycle starts over. And so he was supposed to be born in the year of the pig. And Everett means um, brave boar. So I just thought it would it was a cool connection, but he ended up not being born in the year of the pig or the boar, and he was born in the year of the dog. So um, so we ended up not naming him Everett, which was at the top of the list. But his brother was born right before the year of the pig ended, and so um, that's why we named him that. That's so interesting. I love finding out the meaning of names. Yeah, yeah, it was, it definitely was, my name has no meaning. (laughs) My, well, my parents liked it because it sounded similar to the Chinese name they were giving me. But, um, but I think my name was really just found in a, in a baby book. So, um, yeah, it's, it was really interesting as a parent to come up with a name and to find meaning in a name. Um, and my husband and I had a hard time agreeing on names we liked. So that was an interesting journey. I feel like that's pretty common. Sometimes it's hard to agree on names. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So then after that appointment, you were induced and then gave birth to him? Yeah, so once um, I was like really shocked um, with the news and, um, but I, I guess I didn't know how to react right away. So my first question to the doctor was like, okay, well, like, what am I supposed to do? And she said, um, your options are, you can, you can like wait for your body to, um, to go into labor naturally, but um, they recommended I get induced because who knew, like, who knew when my body would do that, um, or if my body even knew that the baby had passed away. Um, And so we chose to get induced so that we could find answers earlier. Um, And, uh, and she said, you know, you could, you can get an autopsy we can also test the placenta we can like take your blood and um and so it was also really weird like after i got home we didn't choose to get induced until after we got home and so um when we did go home i just 
it was really weird because, you know, when you're pregnant, you feel like, wow, like my body is making this baby and it's supplying life and nutrients to grow this baby. And so to know that I had a baby inside me that was not alive and there was nothing I could do about it, you know, it was, it was, it was weird. And, um, and I just didn't really know like how to handle that feeling those feelings and that emotion like oh i'm supposed to be giving life to a baby but 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 like i'm not able to do that like there's there's nothing that my body can do so um so we ultimately decided to get induced to go to the hospital and to get induced and then yeah i got um pictocin and um and then they, I think they put, we got to the hospital at like 4 p.m. And then they started administering the Pictocin at um, like 8 or 10 p.m. or something. And then, um, and then he was born at around like, I think it was like 2.52 in a.m. the next morning. Um, so I went through it like I felt the contractions and I had to, you know, put my legs up and push. Um, I didn't have to be dilated as much as um, as like giving as a like a full term baby um, since he was still pretty small. But I still had to wait for the right dilation and then um push to deliver him. And then also after he was delivered, we had, I had to keep pushing to get the placenta out. So it was still, um, you know, very much a birthing process for sure. And so in between your 22 week ultrasound and being induced, was there any support given or did the doctor recommend what you could be doing or how how to cope with this what was going on in your head what did you do so between that 20 and 22 week ultrasound i honestly was just confident like <laughs> that everything was going to be okay um you know i had no reason to think that um so I guess in my mind, the worst case scenario was that there would be some type of genetic disorder or, you know, maybe the baby would have some health problems. There was no reason for me to think that the baby was um, going to die. Um, I just had no idea that that was that was one of the things that was going to happen. So, um, so I don't really feel like there was much support, um, especially, and I think because part of it, I think part of it was because it was at, um, I was still in the second trimester. And so, um, there's, and I haven't, I hadn't even reached, you know, 24 weeks, which was, which is considered the viability week, I guess. Um, so I don't think that there was any instructions or, uh, yeah, I'm not sure if there was anything that I could have done except to, you know, 
get sleep, be healthy, eat right. Um, but I certainly wasn't given any instructions on what I could be doing more, um, except to get the blood tests and stuff. Um, and what about in preparation for being induced? Yeah, I did not have um, much instruction for that either, except to call the hospital and get it scheduled and to go to the hospital, um, which uh, one, I wish they had told me and even, you know, for um, for a live pregnancy, I wish they had told me to eat because I had not eaten anything that day. And, um, and we had, we got a small snack before the, um, before going to the hospital, but I was so hungry and, um, just like, wasn't able to eat anything while I was waiting to be induced or while I was waiting for the induction to work. Um, and then actually when I went to the hospital, I think there was some miscommunication. Um, so when you go to the hospital, you have to check in. And I checked in with the front desk and the lady asked me, when is your due date? And so I was like, well, the due date is February 5th. And she was confused and she's like, oh, so why are you here? And so I was like, well, my baby died. So I'm getting induced. And that was real awkward um, for her. I guess it was awkward for me too. But, um, but yeah, so it was kind of a weird, I think uh, it was a weird experience checking in because they didn't know why I was there to deliver. Um, yeah, so there wasn't really much preparation for that either. Just like go to the hospital, check in, and then, you know, we'll we'll get you ready or whatever. Yeah, like there was no kind of note on your on your record of of what you were going there for and you know, I feel like that must have been really difficult. You know, you're already going through this loss of your child and the nurse is unaware of why you're there. Yeah. I explain that. Yeah. I yeah, I feel like even and I I think maybe there are some instances where they would put a note, but I think there definitely should have been a lot more attention or care going into reading the my file or or I don't know. I don't know like what on their end could have been done better. Um to do that but yeah there I feel like there definitely should have been something done um so that they would know how was your support system at that point your your family and friends and had they been informed or um yes so we the first person I called was my mom and the first person my husband called was his mom and then after I called um just a few of my closest friends um but we didn't really make an announcement um until a couple days later 
And I did it over Facebook because I didn't, you know, we were still telling people. And I also couldn't imagine just having all these conversations being like, yeah, the baby died. Um, So I just thought, you know, making a Facebook post would be the best way to reach the most people without having to have all these individual conversations. And um, I think the support was, I don't want to say it was bad because it was, you know, if you haven't gone through it or if you don't know anyone who has gone through pregnancy or infant loss, it's, you don't really know how to react. Um, And so I think everyone had good intentions, um, but everyone was taking the news in their own way and processing the grief in their own way. Um, And that might have translated differently in how they um, communicated with me, if that makes sense. Um, So, like, you know, my mom and um, well, our parents lost a grandchild, and so, um, but I think they also wanted to be there for me and my husband as parents, and um, and so, you know, there was a lot of people trying to comfort us and say the right things, but there's just a lot of things that are not necessarily the right things to say, I guess, when when someone's baby died. Right. What would you recommend friends and family to do to help support someone who has been through an experience like you had? Yeah, that's, um, it's a tricky question because everyone is so different. I think the first, the, the biggest thing is to just mourn with them and be sad with them. I think it's okay to be sad. I think death is uncomfortable in any capacity. Um, And so we have to realize that grieving over someone's death is normal, and it's okay to be sad. It's not a problem that needs to be fixed. And so um, I think I just needed people to be sad with me. Um, you know, I had, I was, I had people tell me, you know, it's better this way. You know, if, if your baby was sick, um, in the womb, then they were only going to be sicker outside of the womb. And, um, so I had people tell me, you know, it's better that, um, that Stephen died earlier. Um, for his sake, you know, or I had people say, well, you should be happy because, you know, babies go to heaven. And so we should be happy that he's in heaven. Um, I was told to not cry too much because it was bad for my eyes. And so I was told a lot of weird, um, I was told a lot of different things. And um, when I really just needed someone to be sad with me and to say, you know, this really sucks and no one deserves this. You didn't deserve this. Steven didn't didn't deserve to die. 
Um, and so I think that's the biggest thing to just be there, um, and mourn. And if you don't know what to say, you don't really have to say anything. You know, I think sorry for, for sorry that this happened and it sucks that this happened is, is enough. Um, but the second thing is, and for me, um, you know, Stephen had a name and so it's, it was a big deal for people to say his name and to acknowledge that he was born, that he existed. Um, I know that not every mom gets that, um, I guess not every mom gets to name their child or, um, has a child to hold. And I've met a lot of moms who didn't get to hold their babies or, um, whether it's because they, you know, they miscarried their baby or, um, or for some other reason. But if, if a baby has a name, then, um, then say, say their name for sure. Yeah. I think, I mean, just listening to your story and hearing your viewpoint, it's amazing that you have taken something that so many people can see as such a struggle and, you know, you've really found a way to help others. And like you said, just saying his name even, and really just expressing that it happened is huge. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even after too, um, it's, it's about, um, always acknowledging them or their existence. I, so it's been about, it's been two years since Stephen died and, um, even though, and you know, I've met people who, um, who their baby died six years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And, um, and I think even, even at two years, I'm noticing, you know, every year people are less inclined to mention Stephen. And, um, but for me, I think about him every day. And so I do want people to acknowledge his birthday every year, you know, and I do want people to acknowledge um, his existence, you know, during the holidays and to say, you know, we're missing Stephen this Christmas too, and we wish we could give him a present or we wish we could make him a stocking um, or even sending a gift in his memory, you know, um, I think like an ornament or a candle, I think. Um, yeah, I think I do. Like, I wish people, even though he's not here, I think every year during the holidays, people will think of their, um, family members who might have passed away. Um, so if you can think about them, like, why not a baby too, who, who has died? Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, that's just something that's that's so important and and remembering them and honoring them is huge and you know what was it like you know just leading into you said that you were experiencing you know you still had you still were producing breast milk and and such like what 
things were occurring that you weren't expecting and weren't prepared for and you still experienced postpartum? Yeah. Um, So what it was like postpartum, I think that when someone experiences pregnancy loss, um, at least in my case, a lot of people were concerned about my mental and emotional health, which um, is definitely valid. You know, I was grieving. I was in a lot of shock. And I was obviously sad and I was really angry. Um, But not a lot of people asked me how I was doing physically. And, um, or, and I think because I didn't have a baby in my arms, a lot of people forgot that I had given birth. And so, yeah, I went through, um, I was going through all the, you know, postpartum, uh, things like, yeah, my breast milk came in and, when that happened, I think that was one of the most traumatizing things because um, the doctor had mentioned that that was going to happen before I left the hospital. And um, she told me not to express the milk or pump or anything because that would just keep the milk coming in. And when it was happening, I didn't even realize it was happening. Um, Like, just one day I woke up and my boobs were, like, rock hard and my chest hurt. And I was like, what is going on? Like, suddenly my cami was, like, too tight in the chest area. And it wasn't until, like, a day or two later that I realized, oh, my gosh, my my breast milk is coming in. And um and I had no idea what to do. Um all I knew was what not to do. And so I yeah, my basically I just went a week where my chest was like really hurting and um so I didn't really know how to how to make how to ease the pain and I didn't even know to ask. Um I was just like, well, I wonder when this is going to be over. <laughs> and um, but during that, that was also just a reminder, you know, my body has no idea what's going on. It thinks the baby came out, which he did, you know, he was born, but he wasn't here to drink the milk. So my body is producing um food and nourishment for a baby that has died and um and then also I had postpartum bleeding and my bleeding lasted pretty long um I think my bleeding lasted longer after giving birth to Steven than it did after giving birth to Everett um because let's see Steven was born in um on October 3rd and I was bleeding still like through Christmas <laughs> So, 
<clears throat> but I didn't know. Like, I didn't know what was normal and what was not normal. Um, no one really told me, like, what was going to happen. And I had um, my follow-ups weren't normal either. I had a follow-up at six weeks, but there was nothing. They didn't do a physical. It was pretty much just to check in and see how I was and to tell me, oh, we didn't find anything. We don't know why Stephen died. But it was just a you know, conversation. Uh, it was a conversational checkup, not one of those where they like go down and see like what's, if anything has happened. So. Yeah. And I think that's such a common thing that I'm seeing, you know, even, you know, whether in your case where you lost the baby or, or, you know, when the baby is still around, things are happening to us and our bodies are changing and we just kind of, accept it and say, oh, I guess this is what I'm supposed to be experiencing. And we don't, we don't question it. And I really think having these conversations and talking about it are opening up doors for women to realize, you know, why is this happening and what's happening to me? Like, what is a different way that I can be approaching this you know, you were in pain with your boobs and and you were just told not to express them, but you weren't told what to do, just what not to do. Yeah. And I, you know, I've read, um, I've read some articles, I think like in, there are some hospitals in Europe, I don't know if they do this in, in the US, but like there are some hospitals that have programs that that do support moms um who have experienced pregnancy loss or their babies died and their body is reacting this certain way and like now i know you know two years later that there's medication you can take or teas you can drink to stop um milk production um i've learned about like the old wives tales too like putting cabbage on your breast or eating certain foods um but I just, yeah, I had nothing. And, um, and I think also like while you're grieving, um, you don't know to search for that, you know, like, um, you don't know to Google these things, um, because you're sad and, um, and you're just, it's really, it was really hard for me, like on the mental and, and emotional side, it was hard for me to get out of bed and to even, live my routine life where, you know, I get dressed or I shower, brush my teeth, eat my meals. Um, so there was no way that I was going to be able to Google these questions and figure out what to do. Yeah. And your body was still healing from everything that had occurred. Not only were you grieving, but healing physically. Yeah. And my hormones were in whack. And, um, and yeah, just going back to, <clears throat> I did not know, um, what was really normal for me postpartum or what was considered normal for me until after, um, my second son Everett was born. Cause then, you know, I had something like to compare it to. And, um, with both my pregnancies and both my postpartum experiences, I now know that um, 
my skin is super unhappy um, during that time. I had my face broke out so bad and it took forever for my face to clear up after both um, both pregnancies. But then with Everett's pregnancy, like I said before, my <clears throat> bleeding was a lot shorter and and then it was also different with him, like because my milk came in and like I had a baby to feed. But um, like I learned like, you know, how to even just express milk to relieve my boobs in a way that like might not increase the milk production. Um, so, yeah, it was really interesting to see like, wow, these these are things that I could have done differently that might have helped me, you know, the first time around. Yeah, it has been so eye-opening, you know, for for me to just hear and experience what you had gone through. And I think, I think it's amazing how you're talking about it and remembering him. Do you think you naturally just were able to cope through it or you don't, you don't think you were processing what was happening? Like you said that you would do things differently. Yeah. A lot of my experiences with Steven were be were because he was my first um he was my first son and he was my first pregnancy and so you know maybe some of the things that I went through postpartum with Everett was because I had gone through them with Steven like um, you know, like the birthing process and um, even the postpartum things. But I think when I look back on giving birth to Everett, it was so different in the way that I was supported and equipped. Like when I left the hospital with Everett, I had this big folder of things um, and a, a lot of them were like a lot of the the literature was, you know, what to look out for in a newborn and how to take care of a newborn. So I understand not getting that um, when when I left the hospital without Stephen. But um, but even I think, you know, when people are expecting a living baby they really want to make sure that the mom is comfortable. And I wish that the doctors or my support system had that type of attitude with me just because I was having a baby and not just be, not just a living baby. You know, I think that type of care should go into any woman who is having a baby. Um and to validate moms whether their child is living or not cuz that was another thing i struggled with i was like man um it, like am i even a mom <laughs> because you know even though i gave birth to a baby i'm not leaving the hospital with him 
if someone just looks at me and my husband from the outside, we just look like, you know, a new couple. Um, and so we would still get questions like, oh, do you have any kids? And we wouldn't know how to answer that because obviously we didn't have a kid at the house. Um, but, um, but yeah, and I think not having that support too um, made me question my body a lot. Like, how can I trust my body? I feel like my body has failed. Um, it couldn't do what it was supposed to do. And I never felt anything odd um, or off during my pregnancy. And so I kept thinking to myself, like, well, was something wrong and I just missed it? Or did I just think something was uncomfortable because, you know, pregnancy itself is uncomfortable? Um, and so I really questioned my like sense of reality, like, oh, are my feel are is the way that my body feels normal or am I missing something? Am I not in tune with myself? Um, so I think like now I, I've had a process a lot. I don't know if I'm like even <laughs> answering the question anymore, but I, I've had a process a lot, like what was in my control and what was not in my control. And I think, um, but I wish someone had told me at the hospital, you know, like, this is not your fault. And um yeah. And what do you think really kind of was a a turning point or kind of a moment that you knew it was going to be okay and you were getting through this? What do you think helped you the most or who helped you the most? Cuz it it sounds like you did a lot of stuff more internally and kind of thinking to yourself and why do I feel this way? And you said, you know, you felt, am I a mom? Who, how do I answer that? Were these conversations that you were having with anybody or more so having with yourself and working through those questions and moments? Um, <clears throat> so I, after I posted my our like announcement of Stephen being born and um and having died on Facebook, um, someone put connected me with her friend who also um had a daughter die um and um and she added me to a Facebook group. So I think being in a support group was really helpful. I also um, started um, going to grief counseling, and that was also really helpful in processing um, a lot of my anger because I was really, really angry, um, but didn't know like who to be angry at. And um, <clears throat> and so I think seeing how other people were processing it and having other people validate my feelings was really crucial in processing it to a point where I could be functional. Um, I think that 
there's a part of me that is in a sense never going to be okay because um because it's still unfair you know it's still an unfair thing that Stephen died and there's still a part of me that is always going to wish that he's going to that he's going to be here or that he there's always going to be a part of me that wishes he was here there's always going to be a part of me that wonders um what kind of person he would have grown to be and so i think that support was just that support and that validation was so important and um and so i and that's kind of what i mean i guess i wish i had that same support from the hospital or from my doctors because it's one thing to to talk about these things and to grieve together with someone who's gone through the same experience um and i think that emotional validation was so important and helpful um but i think i needed that same validation and and assurance from like medical support um to be like you know you did everything you could you did all the things right and this was just a a sucky situation um and and like i wish that i could have you know in that in those following weeks i kept wondering well is this you know there is was this an environmental thing because i did this or is this like a thing because i did this and i think eventually like <clears throat> i came to the point where i had to just tell myself this is not my fault because i cannot live my life wondering if it was something that i did and so i just have to take it I just have to take for, you know, the diagnosis that like we don't know what happened. I have to just take it and believe it. Um even though a part of me is still always wondering like, well, is it something that I did and maybe because of the timing or whatever, we just couldn't figure it out, you know? Um yeah, and I I really I just appreciate this whole conversation so much and I think with you sharing your story and developing a message for others to hear and knowing that we're not alone in these journeys and you know it might seem unique and like oh nobody is feeling this but coming together with people who have had those experiences or even just expressing it to somebody and holding that space open I I think is is really helpful to just, you know, discover our own emotions and and how we can help others. So I I feel like this story and what you're doing and the podcast that you have is really just you know, being something that someone who firsthand is experiencing this or someone who is a friend or a family member of someone who is experiencing it can pass along to that person who is going through that loss and they can hear it and relate to it and and help yeah i um met this mom once and her sister-in-law was um 
going through pregnancy loss and she was just like, I have no idea. Like, I can't imagine what she must be going through or like how I can be there for her or what to do. And, um, and I was like, you know, I think even if you can't understand what it's like to, um, even if you can't understand what it's like for your child to die, I think you there's more overlap in that understanding than you might realize. Like you understand what it's like to be a mom. You understand what it's like to love your child. You understand what it's like to be pregnant and you understand what it's like to give birth and what it's like to go through that postpartum um, experience. So I think that there's a lot more, it's really important to me to normalize talking about um, like miscarriages and, and stillbirths and pregnancy loss because it's not just about whether or not you have a baby, a living baby at the end. You know, there's just so much more to it. Um, yeah, there's so much more to relate to than you'd realize. Yeah. And I think that is, um, there's just so much about being a mom. Um, and you don't, you don't, you're not, I think you start being a mom, you know, the, the moment you're pregnant. And so, um, and there's, yeah, I think there's just a lot to it. Like the experience is not just about, about, um, the living child in the end there's I don't really know the like the best way to say it but yeah um no it's definitely made me uh you know think about it a lot more and like you said you know you were a mom the second you knew about him and and even though it's not a living child. It's still a child. And you were a mom no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. And when I talk about it, you know, for me, <clears throat> I did get to hold him. And, um, you know, Stephen does have a name. And I have pictures of him. I have um, hand and feet casts of him. So, um, and I didn't, I forgot to mention this before, but my mom was at the hospital. She came actually, and she got to hold him. And so, um, so I think like for a lot of friends and family, you know, they never got to see him or meet him or hold him. And so it's easy to feel like, oh, you know. This is like an experience we can sweep under the rug because it's like sad, but um, but I'll never forget what it's like to, what it was like to spend those hours with um with Stephen and to hold him and to hug him and um you know they dressed him up and so I I remember you know what he was wearing and his swaddle and I have those things um in a box. So, um, so yeah, I think, um, 
it's just important to and and again i know that there are some moms who don't get to have that those experiences or they don't get to have those um memorabilia but um but when you're expecting a child and you have these hopes and dreams for them and you know you you're expecting your life to change in this certain way and it doesn't happen it's really um it can feel really lonely but yeah like you said like no like i'm not alone um and so i think that's important for for every mom to remember yeah this was such a good conversation and i'm just so thankful for connecting with you and hearing your story and um, could you share how we can get in contact with you and, you know, a little bit about if uh, anybody's interested in hearing more and listening to your podcast? Yeah. So my podcast is called Expecting Rainbow, and it's all about navigating life after pregnancy and infant loss. Um, <clears throat> and People can find it wherever they listen to their podcast. Um, just look up Expecting Rainbow. And you can also go to expectingrainbow.com or um, find us on Instagram at Expecting Rainbow. And I really encourage um, people to listen, even if you haven't experienced pregnancy or infant loss. Um, and I think, you know, pregnancy and infant loss, it doesn't discriminate and it doesn't it's not something you can really prepare for um or expect to happen and so it's really the episodes are just as much for people who haven't experienced it as as much as it as it is for people who have yeah i think that's amazing and i'm super excited <laughs> for you and just you know to continue to listen to episodes and and hear what's going on in your life. So thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Is there anything else you wanted to add or, you know, how's Everett doing? He is good. He is taking steps and growing more teeth. And <laughs> I'm like a little nervous when he's going to start really walking around. He's already crawling everywhere and, you know, getting How into old is he? he's um 11 months so oh. yeah. yeah my daughter is 16 months Ooh. So just a little bit ahead yeah they're so close in age is she walking yeah yeah she's practically running and i can't keep up sometimes oh my gosh yeah i'm like so nervous <laughs> about that <laughs> um but yeah, actually, speaking of, I have to go nurse him. So <laughs> this was perfect well, timing. Yes, this was amazing. And thank you so much. So for me, this episode brought up a lot and made me really realize that we all go through situations differently and on our own time. But we are a lot more alike than we think. We can learn to put our own personal feelings aside, and just hold space for someone when they need it most. And sometimes that means just sitting there with them and saying, 
This does suck. You didn't deserve this. And you didn't do anything wrong. That can be so valuable to somebody that's struggling. I think this also shows that we need to learn about what it's like for them and really try to understand their individual feelings and not just assume that we know all the answers or because we went through something similar that we can determine what it is like for them. When individuals go through something traumatic, we aren't able to process that we need help or sometimes even have the awareness to search for ways to heal ourselves. So I just want others to be aware that we are all navigating this journey in our own individual ways, but there's so much that we can learn from one another and there are so many ways that we can help one another. And I really feel like sharing our stories and sharing our hearts and just holding space for others is so beneficial and really what can make a difference here. Well, this wraps up yet another episode of Entering Motherhood. I hope that you have found this episode helpful. And if you liked it, please share it with others who might also benefit from this information. If there's anything that you'd like to know more about, or maybe you know someone who'd like to be on the show, please visit my website, enteringmotherhood.com. I'm so thrilled to be going on this journey with you and getting the amazing opportunity to help moms during this postpartum experience.